Hi everyone, welcome back to Altus Talks. My name is Samadre and I am here with my friend Gabriel. Today we have a very special guest here today, Fran Tuit. She is a rowing coach and a professional rower. I was hoping that you can get us started and tell us a little bit about what you do. Do you want to hear about my rowing career or just, my business career? Just both. Okay, great. So um, I actually started rowing in 1976, a few years before you guys were born at Purdue. I was an athlete kind of all my life, but I didn't know anything about rowing. And they had a call out on campus, uh, one of the really big eights. And I saw it and I thought, oh, that looks cool. And they showed us a film about being on the water. And it was just incredible. And I got hooked, so I went out. It was back in a time when women didn't really play sports, so there were only about four of us rowing on the women's team. And I just fell in love with it. And most rowers are really tall, and they recruit you know, big people. And we had a coach that was just inspiring, and he didn't you know, discriminate against us short people. And so I was able to get on the team and participate, and he just you know, taught us to believe in ourselves, you know, and so I was able to push myself, you know, way more than I would have thought I could and compete at a, with all the other women that were taller and bigger than me. So that was a great start to my, my rowing career back in college, freshman in college. Can I just ask what made you want to pursue a career in rowing? Well, you know, rowing is not really a career. <laughs> you don't get paid. It's a lot of hard work and no money. Um, not even at, you know, Olympic level. Like, it's um, an amateur sport. Um, but what I learned from rowing was just the value of hard work and how it pays off if you are consistent. So, you know, just every day or almost every day doing a workout just builds over time. And so it was... For me, I saw results just from my consistency, and it taught me that I could do a lot more than I ever imagined I could. And I was able to achieve and win, even though I was a small, um, a small rower. And I became such good friends. There's a community in rowing. When you're in a boat together with others, you form this bond because you work as a team. And so to be able to have to pull together and have pain together and have timing together and spend a lot of time with people you just create this friendship that really you know to this day I'm still friends with the women I rode with in college and then after college I started rowing just as a what's called a master scholar so I've been competing ever since and the same way we trained together this morning I was up at 445 rode my bike to the boat club and we did um, 1,000 meter pieces with um, a two minute rest and at a, at a pretty fast pace. And so we did five of those after a warm up. And so there were five of us doing that this morning together. And it's like, it's hard to get up at that hour if, you, if nobody else is gonna be there if you're just doing it on your own. But if you're accountable to your team and you're going down there and you have someone who's gonna show up and you've got to be there. So we play some tunes and we work hard together and we become great friends. Uh, and we just enjoy you know, each other's company and it's been really a good community, even though we do different things professionally and 
different ages. Um, there was someone there today, Margaret Conway, I think you know, who's the, one of the youngest in our group. And then her dad actually rose as well, and he's 10 years older than me. So he's actually turning 76 next week. So we have a good range of people at different levels, and it's, it's just really fun. Yeah, it sounds like a really hardworking thing that you have to do. But as my second question, I want to ask, why did you enjoy rowing so much when you first started? Well, it's kind of a unique sport because it uses all your body muscles. So from your legs to your shoulders, to your abs, to your arms. And then you also have this balance issue. So you've got to be able to be balanced and timing and rhythm, strength and speed. So it combines so many different things skills that um, and then being on the water is really special you know you're just you can hear the oars go into the water and you can you're out within nature you know you're not inside in a gym and you know you can feel the power of the boat move with your own you know by pulling and then you learning to get this rhythm is just kind of magical yeah Okay, as my third question, I want to ask, what challenges did you face when you faced when you were rowing, and how did you overcome them? Well, like I said, I was I was small, and so my scores um, sometimes they weight adjust your scores. So I'm considered a lightweight rower, which is 130 pounds or less. But not all races have lightweight categories, so I have to compete. And on an erg. You, your weight can really help you, but in a boat, you're actually pulling that weight through the water. So you haven't, you don't have the, quite the same disadvantage, but you still have a disadvantage. So I think just overcoming my size, like I said, I'm probably some people would, you know, suggest that maybe I'd be a coxswain just because I'm a kind of a coxswain size. Um, but I always wanted to compete and be athletic. My my dad was a tough. Um, he grew up in the Bronx in New York, and he was a boxer in college, and he always wanted all of us, there were six of us in our family, to be athletic. And he would never let the girls be cheerleaders because he felt like that wasn't competing. Now cheerleaders do a lot of actual sporting you know, skills, but um, he didn't treat any of us different. We all ran track, and we played football, and we played basketball, and we were just outdoor, you know, he treated us you know, girls and boys just as athletics being very important, you know, for your physical health, so. Yeah, kind of to follow up on that, did you ever want to quit rowing because of that stuff and the disadvantages that you had? Um, well, I tried out, I went to trials for the national team one year, and um, I was in my 30s, so I was old, really, for, for that, and um, I drove with another, a younger guy. We drove to New Jersey where the trials were being held. And, you know, I got there and I realized I was just completely out of my league. Like, I didn't have any coach. I didn't have, you know, like, I, I hadn't grown up with any of that structure to really go compete at that level. So I felt really discouraged. I think I placed seventh. I mean, this is years ago, obviously, and now I would, I would be way further back. But it was kind of discouraging to realize or just frustrating to think that maybe if I would have had even um, more structure, like I went to a small school where it was a club program, like if I would have had coaching after you know, college to encourage me to like really compete at even a higher level. Um, 
but it never made me quit. I always just kept going at it. And actually, I've had some of my greatest success as a master's athlete. So I've been able to win at the head of the Charles Regatta in Boston, which is the largest regatta in the world. Um, I've won um, at um, in Henley in England at the Masters Regatta there in a single and a double. And I go to Italy and I compete in a singles race there. And I haven't won that one yet, but I came in second this year um, in Torino. So um, it's been really rewarding and it's been kind of amazing that I've been able to have the success, but I think I just attribute it to the role models that I've had and just consistency of working. That's nice. Kind of moving away from like your rowing and towards your coaching, what made you want to start coaching rowing? You know, um, I am not really a professionally trained coach. I've been rowing, like I said, for a long time, but I always wanted to compete, and I didn't think I really had the skills to coach. So um, I've just, we just started this organization and we couldn't find any professional coaches. So I'm kind of your substitute coach. <laughs> but as you've seen, you've had Eleanor and Carolyn mm-hmm. and Tim and Tom and um, others that are more um, rigorously trained as coaches than I am. I only know it from my own experience. So I, I, um, I'm not quite um, as good as you might get. So hopefully we'll get you some better coaching over the years. <laughs> well, have you ever experienced or witnessed any um, injuries while rowing? And if so, how did they happen? Um, I've been fortunate. Um, rowing's pretty. It doesn't really have a lot of accidents or, you know, that you're certainly not going to get a concussion or things like that. Um, some people don't row properly and they can strain their back at times or you can get stress fractures in your ribs if you're a lightweight sometimes and you're trying to get your weight down and you don't eat properly. But fortunately, I've been, I think the only, the first injury I had was I was rowing in the Wabash River in college and you would get blisters in your hands and I had you would sometimes put your hands in the river and I got blood poisoning from um, toxins in the river that was probably my first but then other than that it's been pretty remarkable that I've been healthy and um, no no injuries yet occasionally you'll see somebody crash but there's not too many uh, stories of people you know, dying or yeah. <laughs> being having any serious injuries from rowing, which is a nice thing. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people who want to pursue uh, rowing? Well, I think um, consistency, kind of something that I've talked about already, but just every day can make a difference. So trying, even if you, you know, don't. Um, can't do an hour workout or 45 minute workout but just having a consistency and not taking you know months off or whatever and just trying to like I ride my bike everywhere and that gives me a little bit extra training Um, I also lift weights so I think it's important that you just you know stay at it you know and uh, keep pushing yourself keep track of where you are and and see if you can improve on your scores yeah, kind of to, you know, add on to that question, what do you think the most important thing to learn about rowing is? Well, I think um, 
it does teach you a lot of different skills, right? So it teaches you, you have to, and you guys have seen this already, being patient with it. You know, you can go out at a 38 stroke rate and realize that you're not gonna last. So teaching yourself patience and learning to pace yourself and getting to know yourself, like how hard can I push myself? You know, you don't wanna pass out, but your limits are actually a lot further than you think you are. they are. So learning to not set too many limits on yourself and keep pushing and kind of getting to know yourself because it's really, even though it's a team sport, you are it right you are pulling that over and so getting to know yourself and um, you know it can really teach you some good things about yourself and 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 learning to deal with you know hard times when things are painful and that you can actually work through them well have you ever met uh, any people that you didn't like while rowing <laughs> uh, did I you know, I've met people that look really, really strong and are intimidating. You know, they might be super muscular or really tall, and it wasn't that I didn't like them, but it, I had great satisfaction when I was able to beat them. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there are um, people of, that I wouldn't like, but in rowing I haven't met um, anyone that I could say that I didn't really like, to tell you the truth. I think we have some core values, and there's this instant bond when you meet other rowers because you have this connection. Mm. What are some things that you wish you did in your rowing career? Um, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier, like being able to push myself um, if I could have, you know, gone further when I was in college kind of at that level but um, lightweight rowing is now not going to be in the Olympics after 2024 in Paris so they've eliminated the lightweight category and so that's really going to be preclude a lot of smaller athletes um, they did it because they're now adding um, what's called coastal rowing which is actually really fun and something um, my um, teammates are I think I'm crazy but you know Lake Michigan is almost an ocean and I think it'd be really fun if we started a coastal rowing program here on Lake Michigan so um, I actually have a coastal boat and I competed in the coastal worlds in 2018 in British Columbia in a double and um, so it's a bigger boat than you guys have seen. It's um, you actually practiced in some of the coastal rowers in in uh, Buchanan, but it's a lot more stable, so it can go over waves. And um, they've created two uh, this Olympic sport called beach sprint. So you actually get on a beach, you run and jump in, you run through the sand, jump into a boat, and then go out on the ocean and race a short distance. And then they also have a, a second category that's a long distance on the ocean, but it's with big waves. And it's different because you have you don't row in a straight line like you do in um, most rowing races. You go around buoys, so there's some technique to it. It's almost like, um, you know, you have to beat out somebody around a corner and sometimes they're, you know, there's some smashing and crashing mm -hmm. on these and you have to deal with tides and winds and currents so almost like sailing a little bit so it's kind of a neat variation on the sport not 
not all rowers are excited about it because it's taken away from the lightweight category, but Mm -hmm. it does add another element and different people might be good at it. So I think it would be a fun thing um, for us to actually add to our program. Yeah, that would be very fun. (laughs) Okay, uh, we're switching it up a little bit. I can see that you founded a farm. What about farming are you so interested about? Oh, wow, you're going to go down a whole nother road. (laughs) Um, So my dad was a professor of plant pathology, and he, um, like I said, he grew up in the Bronx where there are not a lot of farms, but he... um, he actually graduated high school when he was 16 and got interested in agriculture. He was from an Irish family and he grew up on a, his grandfather, his father, my grandfather grew up on a farm in Ireland growing potatoes. And so it kind of somehow attracted him to studying that in college. And he met my mom who was also in botany. Um, and so they, um, got married actually in New York City and moved to Minnesota and he got a PhD in, in botany and plant patholo- pathology and so we grew up with exposure to plants and farming. He he worked on corn diseases so um, corn's a big crop in the Midwest and so he worked on toxins that would be formed in the grain storage and but I would go with him to the greenhouse and we'd he'd be growing corns to test out different um, treatments and we'd always have a garden and grow our own food in our backyard so we were um, he would take us out in nature all the time we do hikes and learn about different plants and so we grew up on that um, kind of environment of farming but I, we didn't have a farm mm-hmm. my dad was an academic and um, I have a love of land, the land and nature and animals and wildlife, and I've gotten to um, really appreciate what's going on with our climate and and how farming impacts that. And what I don't know how much you know about regenerative ag, but a lot of it has to do with soil health and how we take care of our soils and yeah. with cover cropping and what we grow. So. Long story short, I bought a house in Michigan because I wanted to row because they had a great river there. And um, the farm across the street from my house um, went up for sale. Uh, there was an auction sign said there's going to be a live auction next week for this farm. It's literally across my driveway. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I was in a position that I was able to, to bid on it. And so I went to the auction. And it was online. It was completely online. Like you just put in a number, and yeah. um, I was bidding against a couple other people, and I mm. ended up winning. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, now what?" Because <laughs> I'd never been a farmer. Yeah. Um, so, but I wanted to convert it. It was a conventional farm, and I wanted to convert it to organic stand- status, so mm-hmm. that we could bring back the health of the farm. When I walked on it before. The soil was dead. There was not. There were no insects. There were no birds. All the land was farm. There was no like natural growth or trees or anything. It was all you know, yeah. um, you know, focused on tillable acres. And so, it took three years to convert it to organic status. So I, I hired a farm manager to help me, and we went through that organic process. Mm-hmm. And we planted, uh, we did cover cropping, we planted a whole bunch of um, flowers, wildflowers, and for bees and, you know, habitat for wildlife. Yeah. And that's 
been at it for going on nine years now. Wow. Um, but it it's been a labor of love. Farming is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard work. Right. Um, but it is so rewarding to be able to, you know, grow your own food, know where your food comes from, right. um, and the power of, you know, restoring the land has been really powerful. And so now they're, um, I have a dog, and I'll walk my dog on the farm in the morning, and you just hear birds and see insects, and it's it's just magical to see it, it you know, the land come back alive again. So. Yeah. It's been it's been really fun, but that's yeah, that's a great investment. Yeah. Um, are there people that help you maintain your farm? Yeah, I actually uh, the farm manager that I have today uh, came to me through a friend of mine who's a rower, and she was actually his coach at Harvard. He rode there um, as a lightweight and did really really well, and. He was going to become a lawyer, and he, after he graduated, he went home for the summer and got a job farming, and he became an organic farmer wow. after Harvard. And so he manages the farm. Um, the assistant farm manager actually rode at Ridley in Daytona, Florida, and he's nice. still going to school online, but he works um, pretty much full-time. Mm-hmm. And then we have high school students that help us in the summer and we have another college kid um, who's working for us now and we just got a grant to build some greenhouses there's a the real shortage of lettuce and greens in the midwest most of them come from outside and shipped a long ways and or imported so we are building over the winter eight mobile greenhouses so we can supply the chefs and people Mm -hmm. of the Midwest and you know Southwest Michigan and Chicago. Yeah, I think I believe I met um, that man before when we went to Michigan. Yeah, he Mark, gave us the, yeah the tour. Yeah, Mark Leth is our firm manager. He's yeah. he's a really fun guy. He has a good sense of humor yeah. and, and it's it's crazy how that he went to Harvard and then you know started farming now. Yeah, so it's great. Um, cool. Um, what are some how did you manage farming and rowing at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I, I have a day job during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually uh, have an investment. I work for an investment firm called Oak Family Advisors, and I uh, manage money for clients, and I invest in companies that I think are environmentally focused and with good governance and social characteristics. So I do that. Um, I have a degree in accounting and finance, both an undergrad and master's degree, and then mm-hmm. got a CFA and a CPA. So I focus on that, and that's allowed me to you know, build my own wealth by investing for myself and for clients. And so... Um, that gave me the ability to be able to fund the farm and get it turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the weekends, I go and help out with the farm, work on the farm. Yeah. And um, but I do have you know professional help certainly for that. Right. And then, um, you know, I think balance in life is really important. So I do early mornings as my rowing practice, and then on the weekends I try to get rows in in Michigan on the on the river there. Yeah. So I try to. Um, juggle a few things. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and it's really important to keep a good schedule, especially when you're dealing with rowing and then the farm. Yeah, know? they say that busy people get more 
more things you know done. get things done yeah, so it's true um i think having that focus i don't it's great um i don't watch a lot of tv there are a lot of things i don't know about mm-hmm. um i like to play sports not watch sports so i don't yeah. know that much about what's going on that's, for other things but um that's better <laughs> yeah and what do you think like helped you become that discipline like what during college were you always like that you know that's a great a question i think you know, I think I learned it from my parents and then from other role models. My mm-hmm. my dad was very intense, very hardworking, and, you know, with six kids in the family, we were doing a lot of things. But, you know, in college, I had great role models. My coach was amazing, yeah. uh, Kevin Sauer. He's now uh, gone on to be one of the top coaches in the country at Virginia. And then um, I was lucky here in Chicken. Chicago, I rode for Lincoln Park Boat Club, mm-hmm. and we were lucky to have a lot of Olympians actually row at the club. And um, one of my partners is a woman from Austria who rode for the national team there. Another one rode for Latvia, um, former USSR. Mm-hmm. And so being able to be in a boat with them, see how they trained, how they pushed themselves, um, you realize that. You know, your limits are um, whatever you make of them. So I was lucky and took advantage of that. That's great. Yeah. And what did you want or what did you want to do when you were growing up? You know, in college, what was your mindset or your plan? I wanted to be a doctor, either a a vet or a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. And I started out in pre-med in college. And then I took organic chemistry. Okay. And... It didn't go so well mm. and um, I thought shoot this is you know usually to get in medical school you need straight A's in college and I got a C mm. and I was like shoot maybe I'm not cut out for this and I actually went to an advisor and I took uh, an aptitude test they have these like tests and you you know you go through them and it said you're actually really good with math and numbers mm-hmm. and analyzing um, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll change my n- major yeah. to finance and accounting. And I did. Um, in my junior year, I switched. And I fell in love with kind of the puzzle of figuring out um, you know, accounting and numbers. And yeah. so with investing, you have to you have to read financial statements and learn how to translate them into yeah. Uh, not that you know the financial statements are historic so you've actually got to be able to forecast what is a future which takes something and then there are people that run these companies so there was like a a psychology aspect to investing where you you actually meet the people that run them you have to decide if you think they knew yeah what they're doing and and then you have to do understand what the business is like how do they make a profit and how do they do that are they doing it responsibly what are you know, how do they take care of their employees? So they're like, it's this multifaceted um, problem, right, that you've got to solve. And then you're trying to buy a company for what you think it's less than what it's worth because the market doesn't recognize what you see. Because yeah. if you can buy it at a discount to its intrinsic value, then you can make money as the market maybe realizes that you've seen something that was hidden. So yeah. it's a little bit of a a puzzle that right. I got hooked on yeah. and I you know I still love doing it to to today it's you know amazing. I I sit and read you know most of my days or uh interview 
uh, management teams. Yeah, and that's great. And what company did you say you worked for? Oak Family Advisors. Oak Family. And is that like a very famous company? Um, it's a small firm in Chicago that's focused on managing families um, well, so they help figure out, you know, how they're going to either yeah, retire, mm-hmm. pay for college for kids, how to invest, how to diversify. Right. So um, it's a good group. It's very, you know, there are only um, a few of us at the firm, yeah. but it's good. Everybody's smart. Everybody's a little bit different, and yeah. so we can each bring different things to the table. That's good. Um, going back about um, the farm, how were you able to afford to build the farm and really start it? Um, well, I had to take some money out of my nest egg to do it, mm-hmm. you know, to buy it and invest. Because when I bought it, it was just land. There were yeah. no buildings on it, so no equipment. So you have to buy tractors, you have to put up fencing, you have to build barns, and you um, have to invest in people. And so we're still investing today, but we. Um, one of the things I did first was decide to grow hops. So hops are a perennial crop, and they're used for beer. Okay. You guys don't know what that is yet. <laughs> but um, they use uh, a craft beer uses a lot more hops than uh, you know a, a light beer. Yeah. And um, in Michigan, there are a lot of breweries. So I thought, well, growing hops would be the specialty crop, where the supply and demand would be a little bit out of balance because now there's a lot more demand for hops. So maybe I, it would be a good crop to invest in. Yeah. And since it's a perennial, you you only plant it once. And then it grows every year, and you don't have to, you know, um, replant it every year. So we started with with hops, and then a friend of mine said, "Well, what if we built a brewery on the farm, mm-hmm. and then you would have this um, natural customer?" Yeah. And actually, beer is a little more profitable than hops. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the next step. So yeah. um, four years ago, we built a brewery. That's great. And so we have a brewery and a restaurant, a farm-to-table restaurant, and a brewery on the farm now. And that that helps the farm because we have a natural customer there. So we can sell them vegetables, Mm -hmm. you know, things so that they have fresh food. And we also decided to come to um, farmer's market. So now we sell... You sell the beers at the market? No, we sell our produce. Oh, the produce. Okay. Uh, and we distribute our beer just in Michigan at this point. Okay. Wow. So, That's great. And yeah. do you plan on, like, building up that that um, company, I guess? Um, so the farm's called Flatwater Farm, so it's it's about a little bit about rowing, right? Because yeah. we like Flatwater. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we... Um, as I mentioned, we got this grant to expand our greens business, okay. and so we're working on that, and we're targeting more chefs in Chicago um, with our with our program, and we hope to attract more wholesale customers in Michigan as well. Right. We have what's called a, a CSA at the farm too; it's community supported agriculture. Okay. So um, locals can buy a subscription to the farm so to speak so they pay an upfront money and then every week they can get whatever is um produced yeah harvested that week okay. from the farm so we nice. we continue to grow that and we're going to add sheep to the farm <laughs> next year nice you guys don't have any animals there right no and and really you know if you look back at the farms in the old times they were they were not you know monocropped so to speak they were 
multiple of crops, they had animals, mm -hmm. and that is actually part of the cycle because, you know, right now we don't have any animals, so we have to buy manure for fertilizer. Okay. So once you start to integrate animals into your farming cycle, it helps build soil health as well. Yeah. So it's um, the sheep can weed as well. Right now we're having to mechanically weed. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually um, small farming, local farming is really the you know the best hope for our environment you know because a lot of these factory farms are not really good for our environment they're using a lot of toxins to kill weeds yeah. and a lot of these are getting in our water systems are getting into our food systems you know right. they've found glyphosate in beers they found them in foods and in people and it's a toxin that we don't really want to have in yeah. our system so right yeah it's good um going back to rowing where did you think your career would go when you first started when i first started rowing yeah i had no idea rowing. you know i just did it for fun and for sport right uh -huh. um i had no idea that what i started i would still be rowing 40 some years later yeah you know i was just doing it um i think you know, our body is important to be physically healthy and it helps our mental health, right? So right. I think finding a sport that you can do lifelong, which is what rowing is, you know, people are rowing um, in their 80s, so I could yeah. have like 25 more years of rowing. That's, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, so finding um, some way to keep healthy, you know, movement is health, right? Yeah. So finding something um, like that has been great and the, you know like the teamwork so i can row single i can row a double a quad so you can do it on your own or you can also do team boats which is really fun too yeah it's great and how are the rowing races set up um there are different types of there are sprint races that it's kind of like track and cross country they're short races in the summer usually and then head races in the fall okay um they can be straight course with buoys with lanes or mm -hmm. they can be in a river where you're just time trialing yeah. one against the other. And now with coastal rowing, it's a little different too. So there's lots of forms. It depends on the body of water. Um, and Buchanan, I think we have some of the best water around because uh, it's protected. So there's not a lot of traffic, no, no wakes. Yeah. Um, you know, the Chicago River, I you know started rowing here in the 80s, um, but it's a, we've got tourist boats and taxis and speedboats and things like that so yeah. we're a little bit um, challenged to use it um, but there are races here in Chicago um, at Lincoln Park we have a sprint race in July um, and then we have a fall Chicago Marathon in September that goes all the way to the from the south side all the way to the lock and back mm -hmm. so it, they have a half marathon and full marathon on the river so yeah there's lots of different formats for rowing right yeah and they have indoor races in fact on the ergs on the ergs yeah we're ready to do that i hope <laughs> in february with uh, our group yeah february 10th there's a local race so we're mm -hmm. gonna start training for that soon yeah gotta get in shape <laughs> um from your past experience so what do you think is was the hardest race that you've ever done um i had a race in england with uh in a double with my friend maureen who um um, lives in Canada actually we come together we don't get to train much during the year because she lives in Vancouver mm -hmm. uh, or Whistler yeah. um, but we 
um, so we go over there and we, you know, we're jet lagged and we're borrowing a boat and it's on this very famous course. So it's just two lanes on the Thames River and they put up these wooden booms to protect, protect the wakes from the, the river's still open, they have traffic on it. Um, but you have to row really straight because if you hit the boom, you're gonna really crash. Yeah, or yeah. flip or something. Um, so we went over there to race a double, and um, there was a local British team, um, two women that rode for the British national team in their day, that are uh, our age, mm. and they train together every day, and um, it's their home club, and so we. Um, had to race them yeah and it was a dog fight it was crazy and we won by an inch it was hard i thought i was gonna die when i was done Gosh. <laughs> but it was fun mm-hmm. it was fun yeah that's crazy um wow to, to think that you guys were that you guys won by an inch it's, it's insane um okay so you said that you and your friend Maureen, you guys really barely see each other. And then, but like, how do, are you able to grow in connection with your other teammates as a rower? Well, it's challenging, um, you know, because you, I, I usually row and bow, which means I follow the stroke. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm a good chameleon. Not everybody rows the same style, so there's some variations on how people row. Yeah. And I'm good at following the leader. And Maureen rows a little bit different. I row with a woman named Inga who's in Austria. Mm-hmm. So we race together in the head of the Charles in a double. So she flies over um, from Austria the night before, and we yeah. get in a boat, and we won last year with zero practice. But we had rowed. She lived in Chicago for 10 years, so we'd rowed together for mm-hmm. 10 years. So... I was a, we were able just to connect, yeah. and we both train really hard on our own, and then come together. Right. So we're fit and we're ready, and then it's just about getting thinking your timing, yeah, and being motivated to win. So right, and do you think it's do you think it's more important to be connected together in the boat or yes. outside of the boat too? When you guys are just like yeah, I think we both are, you know, we want to win. Yeah, you know, so at the end we, of the day, it's all a competition, right? Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> It's about having fun. Right. <laughs> but winning is fun, too. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, what is something from rowing that you learned and that you valued the most? Um, I think I've mentioned it already, but I think it's, you know, just kind of those core values that you develop of hard work and, and yeah. pushing yourself and also just community and camaraderie and friendship. Like... Um, I never would have enjoyed the sport if I was just doing it on my own. So mm-hmm. the friendships I've created and found, and um, you know, we have a real community with our kids and with our you know teammates. You're just bonded together, and it's you know we're as human beings we need to be connected with others, right? It's really important. Right. So we, we're not made to be alone. So I think uh, it brings people together. Yeah, it's really true. Um, what was your biggest motivation to continue rowing? Um, it's just, it's fun, right? <laughs> it's fun. You guys love it, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it keeps you fit. And like I said, being outside on the water, I mean, mm-hmm. you have to get through the winter and on those ergs, 
um, but they do, you know, you can see a pre precise measurement of how you're doing um, pretty easily. But I think, you know, with that knowledge that you're going to get back on the water, right. keeps you motivated. Yeah, I think from my personal experience, um, I, the, something that really motivates me to continue is my the community that I'm around and the people that I'm rowing with. You know, they really build me up too. So I'm really um, glad about that. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, what have you, you know, you've only been rowing a short time. Right. But tell me about what, how you found it. I, I from my, when I first saw it, I was, you know, it looked really unique. So that's why I didn't really think um, that I could really pursue this. But then when I started, you know, actually going um, to the practice and then, you know, with all my friends around me, they really motivated me, I guess. And it it was a lot of fun, you know. It's just so much fun, I'd say. Yeah. I think that for me, what really made me like like rowing is how fun it is and just how it keeps me moving and how it really like it gets you moving and just what it does for the person. And I think it's really fun to do it with other people too, and to be around other people when you're rowing. Have you seen a change in your body from training? Yes, most definitely. I think I've built a lot more stamina, and it really helps out your legs, too. I mean, every day after practice, you know, my legs are always sore, but then they get stronger after. So, yeah. I think that for me, it's almost like the same thing, but it's really helping my legs and my stamina, too. And I think that like the more you do it the more use you get to doing it as well so like when you're doing it just the work or the soreness just goes away quickly and are you looking forward to or are you scared about competing for me i'm pretty scared about competing <laughs> but i think that if i just get good practice in since we've been rowing on the ergs for a good amount of time now it could be pretty easy to do it I think for me as a competitive person, I'm really excited about this, but also kind of nervous. Um, but I think it would be a good experience for our first time, you know, doing it. And, you know, just after, we'll see how it goes and, you know, try to build each other up after that, you know? Yeah, it can, it can be really nerve wracking. Yeah. And you can get, um, you know, your stomach churning and <laughs> just dry mouth and all that. But, you know, when you learn that it's, you're really, um, just competing against yourself, really, at the first level. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, you won't get too stressed out about it, and we'll, it will be a fun. I, they have some relay races, which I think take a little pressure off because you can pull really hard, but yeah. you you have your teammates to, to support switch. you. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah, I think we'll we'll do that too. It's really important. Yeah, I feel like when we were doing relay races during practice, it was a lot of fun. That was the best part. <laughs> well, it seemed like you guys pushed yourself harder on the relays yeah, than you did, did on your own. So right. that shows that teamwork, which is yeah. great. It's motivation is really important. Um, what are your what accomplishments did you achieve during rowing? Or what were your greatest accomplishments? Um, my partner uh, Eng and I, when we won um, at in Boston, yeah, it was it was pretty wow for me, right? You know, because we'd been racing there, and I've been racing there for a long, long time, and then to finally win is pretty pretty crazy because yeah. it's really the best of the best is there mm -hmm. at all levels. So they have juniors races, they have college races, and they have masters races. So yeah. it's a big 
it's a big deal and it's a it's in Boston on the Charles River and mm-hmm. so it's um, a 5k race and you have to go through a number of bridges and it's not a straight river so you have to steer and it's a time trial race so you you don't know how you're doing necessarily relative to your competition yeah because you start off every 15 seconds so you don't really know you just have to push yeah and um sometimes you have to pass people and sometimes you have to pass people under a bridge where it's not very wide so you have to figure out how you're going to get around somebody or somebody going to move or you're going to get past yeah so it's um it's one of those regattas that's unique you know in terms of the steering element and and the time trialing so yeah um it's fun it was fun yeah and that was that was pretty cool for me but winning at henley that race i told you about (laughs) oh my god yeah and henley is a very in england it's very um a lot of tradition of rowing there you know it started out with people doing it um Mm -hmm. um the workers, the shipmen's guys, and they would be betting on the rowers, and yeah. it was, it was not an elite sport. It was a an every man right. sport, and um, but they have a lot of, built up this tradition, and so they have people in blazers come down and they give you this special gold medal and a, you know, a, a velvet case, and wow. it, it was kind of cool. So yeah. that's fun. It's crazy. And we we created. Uh, our own blazers for our rowing clubs so that you know we dress up and that's yeah, fun but great. i think what we're trying to do at chicago community sculling though is really make rowing accessible for everyone mm-hmm. it's had this recent history of being more of elite you know sport and only for rich kids and it is an expensive po- a sport just because the right. boats are not cheap and you got to travel to have a, a lot of races, and that costs money. But um, it's such a special sport, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, that we're excited about being exposed it so that it's not, you know, just open to you know, um, yeah, you know, the Ivy League right. school, so yeah. to speak. You know, yeah. and it's interesting. You look at what's happening now, um, club sports and. Midwestern crews are doing well and competing at a high level, and so yeah. we've seen a lot of change in the sport over the years. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's really grown to even Africa, right? With Arshe Cooper going there. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And yeah. I read, I read a couple of the chapters in of Arshe's book, and it really motivated me a lot. I mean, it's crazy how what he went through, and then what rowing has done for him and yeah. What he did. yeah i hope he he's really a special person and yeah he's gonna he's from chicago and i hope he can come and speak to you guys yeah soon okay. i talk to him often and he's he's thrilled about what's happening and it's obviously changed his life um so it's pretty cool yeah, what it's that would done. be great to have him on the show <laughs> yeah, yeah i am um i think we need to get him here yeah yeah, hopefully soon. All right, well, we're going to wrap that up for the podcast. Um, thank you so much, Fran, for you know being here and letting us um, talk to you. It was a great experience. Um, and me and Samadri hope to, you know, hopefully maybe have you on the show again some of the time. Great. No, yeah. well, thanks for being rowers. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, um, make sure to check out our other episodes on our Spotify and website podcast and we'll see you guys in the next episode thank you